Well, welcome everyone. So good to be in worship with you. Glad you're joining us from wherever you're joining us today. The comedian Emo Phillips uh, told a joke one time about divisions between Christians. And actually GQ magazine uh, said this was one of the funniest, like the 44th funniest joke of all time. Basically, he said that he's walking across a bridge one day when he sees a man who's like about to jump. And he says, wait, 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 don't, don't jump. There's so much to live for. And the man says, uh, yeah, really, like what? And, and he says, well, well, are, are you religious? And the guy says, yeah. And he says, well, are you, are you Buddhist or Christian? He says, Christian. And he says, me too. And then he says, well, well, are you, uh, you know, Catholic or Protestant? He says, I'm Protestant. He said, me too. And then he says, well, are you Baptist or Episcopalian? He says, I'm Baptist. He says, me too. And uh, then he says, well, you know, are you um, original Baptist or reformed Baptist? And the guy says, well, I'm reformed Baptist. And he says, well, me too. And uh, <laughs> then he says, well, are you, uh, you know, Reformed Baptist, uh, you know, Convention of 1915 or Reformed Baptist Convention of 1876. He says, well, I'm Reformed Baptist Convention of 1916. And he says, die, heretic, and pushes him off. <laughs> like in every joke, there's a little bit of truth, right? We are living right now in a world that is deeply divided. And I think we are all feeling that we're living right now in like the greatest civil rights uprising in human history. And I know there are a lot of different perspectives that you probably are bringing in. They're surfacing right now. And if you are awake, you are likely becoming more aware of the deep divisions that exist within our world. This is not new. It will certainly not be solved overnight. I don't pretend to have the solutions to propose in a sermon today. We are facing complex conversations in our world right now. And racial justice is a gospel issue. And so we would just want to say again that we stand against racism, for justice, and in unity with God's church worldwide. We are in the series where we're talking about the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. We're talking about the values of the kingdom of God. And it is right and it is good for us to consider the values of the kingdom of God in light of the issues that are facing our world. Our passage of scripture for today uh, talks about how the love of God is what compels us to care. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21 says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed us to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now when we come together each week in worship, we gather together around word and sacrament, around the word of God and the sacrament of Holy Communion. And we seek to be shaped here more by what the scriptures would teach and what the gospel would tell us about our lives and our world to be more shaped by God than just by what we're reading on the news or through our news feed. When we gather each week, we're gathering around word and around sacrament. We're recentering our minds over and over and over again each week as we gather on the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. How do we live in that kingdom? In the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven that was made manifest in the person and ministry, in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we gather around each week. Racial justice is a gospel issue. It is a core value to the kingdom of God, the strong and unshakable kingdom. So today, we're talking about the strong and unshakable kingdom again. And in that kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, it is not black versus white. In the kingdom of God, it's everybody against racism. It's not black versus white. It's everybody against racism. In a similar way, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, it's not rich above poor. It is everybody working together for shalom, for the human flourishing of all. In the kingdom of God, you know, topics like immigration, that's not a political conversation. It's not a political debate. In the kingdom of God, we welcome the stranger because that's what Jesus did. We welcome refugees because it's not my nation against your nation. It's the people of God honoring the worth and dignity of all people by seeing the image of God in each other. It's the spiritual practice of loving your neighbor as you would yourself. So when another person suffers, we all suffer. In the kingdom of God, my concern is not just like for my personal safety. It's not just for my biological children because Jesus has completely redefined family. And now, all those lines that used to divide us, like in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, we belong to each other. We belong to one another. So when Paul is talking here in 2 Corinthians about the ministry of reconciliation, he's saying, in Christ, you and I are ambassadors to a new kingdom. Like we're bringing the word of a king and bringing the values of a kingdom. We are ambassadors for a new kingdom. 
which means that this conversation that our world is having around racism, like I work to become anti-racist by opposing any ideas, systems, structures that perpetuate injustice, including the ones in me. I'm pursuing this as a gospel matter, close to God's heart, a value of the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. So this is really like, when you're talking about racial justice, it's a spiritual formation practice. It's the practice of first seeing Christ in another, and it's the practice of loving my neighbor as myself. So in the kingdom, in this passage in 2 Corinthians, we see three things. We see we have one savior, that there is one humanity, and that we're given one mission, one savior, one humanity, one mission. So our passage for today starts out like this, for Christ's love compels us. Why? Why does Christ's love compel us? Because we are convinced that one died for all. Who's the one? Christ. Christ died for all. There is one savior. What are we, what is compelling us? It is the death and resurrection of Jesus. It is that when we come to the table, we're remembering like Jesus' death and resurrection threw open the gates of heaven so that all could come and throw themselves on the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God made possible through Christ. So Christ's love compels us. There's one savior. We're convinced one died. Christ died for all. And you know, really throughout the New Testament, you see that theme that emphasis on Christ dying for all. All throughout the New Testament, you see that. You see that the work of Jesus was not just for the Jews. It was not just for the men. It was not just for the rich or the educated or for the somehow worthy. When Christ died, he died for all. In other words, we, we simply cannot make Jesus into a God for us alone whoever the us may be. We have one savior. And now this passage also says that now in Christ, there's one humanity. Paul is arguing for one humanity united in the kingdom of God and united to one another in that kingdom. So he says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. There is a poem that I love by a guy named David White, and the poem is just called Start Close In. And the idea of the poem is just like the title, Start Close In. You know, like when you're faced with these complex, big, huge problems within the world that seem so very impossible to solve. Start close in. You know, like take the next step, close in. And so as we talk about divisions in the world, I thought today maybe we would like start close in by talking about a little bit about divisions in the church and how that might instruct us a little bit in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. See, the church is the body of Christ. It's like the visible manifestation of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We are to be a picture together on earth as it is in heaven. And of course, the world around us is using labels. But in the kingdom of heaven, in the church gathered, 
we're to transcend labels, gathering around the person and work in ministry of Jesus. The church is to be the place where people from different places come together to form a new community, a new community centered in Jesus, seeking then together to live into the strong and unshakable kingdom values. <coughs> but let's be honest, <coughs> more often than not, it's a little bit more like that Emo Phillips joke, isn't it? Like more often than I care to admit, I think I operate like there are kind of two types of Christians. There's like right Christians and wrong Christians. Um, conveniently, the right Christians look and think an awful lot like me. But right Christians, wrong Christians, those are two labels that all too often we use. Like maybe for you, wrong Christian votes a certain way or drives a Hummer or is pro-choice or goes to a church that doesn't allow women in leadership. Perhaps to you, wrong Christian is like that snarky little twerp who wears his hat in church. Or maybe that's not your issue. Like maybe to you, wrong Christian homeschools their kids or went to a Christian college. Maybe wrong Christian to you takes the bus or doesn't speak English or is unequivocally pro-Israel. Maybe wrong Christian to you is like super hardcore into reform theology, has like tulip, you know, tattooed across their back. Maybe for you, wrong Christian is just annoying or a Yankees fan. I mean, you get my point, right? You get the picture. Maybe your opinion of wrong Christian is so strong that not only do you avoid wrong Christian, but you like actively condemn wrong Christian. Or maybe wrong Christian is not anyone you ever actually interact with in real life because you have orchestrated your whole world to only be around right Christians like you. And so wrong Christian, it's really more of a caricature than an actual person you speak with. Maybe for you, right Christian and wrong Christian uh, is something that you actively condemn or actively avoid. For the most part, maybe you're happy to keep the wrong Christians like at arm's length at bay. There's just one problem. As we get to know Jesus, we begin to realize that this was not what he had in mind when he invited us to participate in his kingdom on earth. Like isolating myself into an echo chamber with people who think like me, see the world like me, behave like me, act like me, have values like me, is not the strong and unshakable kingdom. Jesus apparently never got the memo concerning all these, like, the colossal importance of my right Christian and wrong Christian sort of distinctions. He doesn't seem to care very much for those distinctions at all. So, like, while I am actively either avoiding wrong Christian or actively condemning wrong Christian, Jesus is beckoning 
both right Christian and wrong Christian deeper into his heart, deeper into the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. See, as we read through the Gospels, we notice Jesus had this habit of just like connecting with everybody, no matter their ideology. I mean, he connected with conservative theologians and liberal theologians, with prostitutes, divorcees, children, with politicians. He was connecting with people who like partied hard and military servicemen and women and lepers, with ethnic minorities, with celebrities, like you name it, Jesus is sharing meals together with a wide variety of people. He was pretty serious about connecting in spite of natural and ideological differences. So you simply cannot put Jesus into your right Christian box because he repeatedly like disregards my right Christian and wrong Christian labels. He repeatedly beckons me over and over again, though I keep clinging to these earthly distinctions. And here is one thing, like everything in our world supports, like these are the good guys, these are the bad guys, these are the good Christians, these are the bad Christians. But when God looks at the world, like he sees one church and that church has one mission And that mission, as Paul says, it is the mission or the ministry of reconciliation. And so we read, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and did what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We've been reconciled in Christ and then we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry, the message of reconciliation. Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. Like the image of an ambassador, what is that? The image of an ambassador is like the person who speaks on behalf of the king, who speaks on behalf of another king and another kingdom. And if you are following God in the way of Jesus, you are an ambassador, like God is making his appeal through you, through your life. So the motivation for engaging in topics right now in our world related to systemic racism, it is not like a bandwagon thing. It's not because it's all of a sudden popular to do so. It's because it's a gospel matter. It's a value of this strong and unshakable kingdom of God. Like the motivation to care, just to care about racial justice is that God, first and foremost, reconciled all in Christ, one savior. And then in his kingdom, there's one humanity died for all, redeemed all, and then has given us this mission, this one mission to be reconcilers, the ministry of reconciliation. So again, like in the church, it is not a conversation of like black against white. It is a conversation of everybody against racism. Now, 
Before we close, I do just want to say a quick word about the phrase racial reconciliation, because if you have been around the church, particularly like white evangelical circles in the last few decades, then you've heard that phrase, perhaps racial reconciliation. Um, in the 90s in particular, it was super popular on college campuses and in college ministries. Um, there were lots of books written and conferences done around racial reconciliation. There were like three strands of racial reconciliation often taught. Promise Keepers was like a major movement of, of Christian men gathering. And, th and that was a movement that, you know, did a lot of teaching about racial reconciliation again in the 90s. And um, at, at in those conferences, there would even be times where th the encouragement was like, you know, go find a black person and give them a hug. Now, can we just say, we're all on a journey here. Like, I hope I'm on a journey of growth that like a year or two from now, I look back at what I'm saying and writing today, and I think, huh, I wouldn't say it that way anymore, right? I've, I've grown, I've learned. So, um, I see things, maybe I would, you know, emphasize something to say something differently. Wow, that was not how I see it anymore. It's okay to do that in looking back. So in the 90s, you know, go find a black person and hug them. It often was a lot more, um, many times it was more about like um, catharsis, emotional catharsis for white folks than it was truly about racial justice. That was the, the phase that the conversation was in at that time. And so, I just want to talk about, when we're talking in 2 Corinthians about this ministry of reconciliation, I think it differs, the ministry of reconciliation, from the conversations in the 90s about racial reconciliation. And I want to explain why. So racial reconciliation was too often driven by white folks, and it was actually serving white folks. Um, now, if we really, as Paul said, are reconciled in Christ and given the ministry of reconciliation, one of the outworkings of that as one humanity in this new kingdom is that I need to learn from people of color who are the experts on racism. They're the experts, not me. And s part of the reason um, that this has been hard historically for the white church is because we have had a hard time listening to the experience of the black community because in part we have this bad theology, which we've talked about around here before, which is to view the Bible individualistically. So it's like we think, you know, like Jesus died for me. And we love that verse that says like, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And we think you is me personally, except that, Actually, that passage is talking to a group of people. Like, I know, I, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You, people living in exile. You, a community of people. Now, the problem is, if I view the Bible just as really exclusively about individual redemption, of course it is about that, but if I view it as exclusively about that, then I do not think the Bible has anything to say to systems and structures and communities of people. Because it's, it's just Jesus died for me. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Like we, the, the, that the Jesus went to the cross for me. Like we've distorted the Bible to be solely about individual redemption. Very often, when the Bible says you, it's a plural you. 
It's addressing an entire community of people. Another way, another sort of barrier in this conversation and why I prefer racial justice to racial reconciliation is because of another sort of nuance in our theology. And this is this sort of like bad theology that we could just call like Disney princess theology, which is essentially when I always see myself as the princess in every Bible story. So I am always Esther. I'm never Xerxes or Haman. Like I'm always Peter. I'm never Judas. I'm always David. I'm never Goliath. I'm always the woman anointing Jesus. I'm never the Pharisee. We are always the Jews escaping slavery. We're never Egypt, the oppressor. But the truth is, as an American, I'm a citizen of the most powerful country in the world that has, in fact, enslaved people. So to see myself as only Israel, never Egypt, is just, is just weak Bible work. And then lastly, th the other reason that I've stopped using racial reconciliation, and I prefer racial justice in this conversation, is because racial reconciliation subtly assumes like an innocent reading of history, U.S. history. It sort of assumes like an innocent reading of history. So, you know, it kind of becomes like, when in U.S. history have uh, we ever been in just relationship, black people and white people in this country, exactly? Like, was that the case during slavery? Was that the case during Jim Crow? Was that the case during the war on drugs? Like, what are we reconciling to? Like, what are we... So... It's kind of an innocent reading of U.S. history. Like, let's not pretend that there was a time when everything was, like, hunky-dory and, and great, and we just need to get back to that. So I think viewing U.S. history is an important part of this conversation. And at the same time, as a follower of God in the way of Jesus— like, God is one. God is triune, and God is one. God is perfect unity. God is just. In God, there is perfect union, perfect justice. Our world has not lived there since the fall. Our world will not live there perfectly until Christ returns. So the spiritual formation work of remembering that I live in God, who is perfect unity, while also realizing I live in a world that is not yet made right. But there will be a day when God makes it all right. And until that day, I live in him by working to see the values of the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I remember that God is one and God is just and I live in God. And that gives me the confidence to say when I'm feeling uncomfortable 
in conversations when I'm feeling like, ah, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, uh, it just feels messy and big and complex. It gives me the ability to say, you know what, though? We can be on a path of growing and learning. And it's okay to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? That confidence comes from remembering, like, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. And I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. That kingdom's not in trouble. So neither am I. We can literally do this in our body. Like if you're in a conversation with someone, you start to feel triggered. Someone sends you an article, you start reading it, you start getting all worked up. I would encourage you to use your body to remind your mind that you live in the eternal dance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can literally go like this. Look behind you. Look above you. Look below, like, just remind yourself by looking around your space. You could do it right now. Look over your shoulder. Turn your whole body to do it. Look over your shoulder. Turn your whole body to do it. Remind yourself, I am safe and secure in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. That kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. So I can learn, and I can grow, and I can admit that sin still exists in our world, in our systems, and in me. And when I become aware of that, we have this incredible opportunity to, in confession, bring it to the one who says, I know, and you are forgiven and renewed and can begin again. This is the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. I can dive deep into the heart of God where perfect union and perfect justice exists because God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we are brought into this oneness. And then we seek to weave back the fabric that has been torn, to weave back the fabric of this world that God loves, weave it back together whenever we see that it has been torn. Racial justice is a gospel issue because we have one Savior, one humanity, one mission, and God is making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. So may you remember, it is not black against white. It is everybody against racism and for the shalom, the full flourishing in love made possible through Christ. Let's pray together as we close. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.